today on Ag News Daily. If there's a transaction between a seeker and an independent expert, that independent expert can get paid. The seeker and a person using AgVisor Pro can also connect to all sorts of companies for free. And we've got a bunch of companies we're working with. Good afternoon and welcome to another Tech Tuesday episode on the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr and I am not joined by Delaney Howell or Dawson Schmidt for that matter. I'm flying solo today, which honestly isn't too big of an issue because I do have quite a bit of news to talk about today. But before we get into that, gotta say I'm pretty happy because we did get some rain here in the panhandle of Texas. Here in Lubbock and around the panhandle region, I think we need it quite a bit, uh, but we got some thunderstorms, which personally I am not a fan of. I'd rather just take the rain minus the thunder and lightning, but hey, gotta get it while you can. But yeah, grateful for for the rain that we got. And I'm sure that our cotton farmers that are gearing up for planting right now are happy as well. I say that they're just gearing up for planting, but I think that they're well into the planting season. I know a couple people are at least, and hopefully they'll be done here in the coming weeks. But one thing we're not going to be done with probably anytime soon is the discussion about the infrastructure package. The White House and Republican lawmakers are now apparently further apart on an infrastructure package ahead of the Memorial Day recess next week. After the GOP proposed a scaled down infrastructure bill last week, the White House came back with a lower proposal, which Republican leaders say is still not low enough. The head of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, Dennis Slater, says they support President Biden's counterproposal of $1.7 trillion, and they're encouraged by the negotiations. Slater says the 2.8 million men and women of the equipment manufacturing industry count on Democrats and Republicans to work together to advance legislation that makes a transformational investment in the nation's infrastructure. Republicans are opposed to any bill that increases the corporate tax rate, which Biden's proposal does. So it seems like it's going to be kind of neck and neck here. Not really sure what's going to come of this. Um, But yeah, they have that Memorial Day recess next week. So who's to say that we can't see anything before then? But honestly, I am not getting my hopes up too high here, especially since they're quote unquote further apart on this package, but just going to have to wait and see, hopefully, before the Memorial Day weekend, but not looking forward to anything really anytime soon. I want to take things international here for a bit, talking about two different stories, all concerning swine. Over in Germany, pig prices rose this week as restaurants reopened in the country with the easing of coronavirus lockdowns, and European Union exports continued to compensate for lost sales to China. German pig prices rose to 1.54 euros a kilogram, solder weight from 1.46 euros last week. Prices stood as low as 1.21 euros a kilogram in February after being hit last year by widespread import bans after African swine fever was found in Germany. Justin Sherrard, global strategist animal protein at Robobank, said that German prices are being supported by some restocking by the food service industry against a tight supply background as the food service sector gets ready to open. As supplies are tight, it doesn't take much of a bump on the demand side to push prices up after a flat period. 
A German meat trader added that summers with major football events traditionally generate more meat consumption with barbecues being a tradition and the European football championships starting in June. China and other Asian countries, of course, banned German pork imports back in September 2020 after African swine fever was found in wild animals. And this resulted in other European Union countries increasing exports to China while German sales to Europe increased. So a bit of a domino effect there. But now I kind of want to shift our conversation here, talking about China as port prices nosedive from record highs. One mitigating factor taking the blame is obese hogs. Farmers in the Asian nation are holding their hogs longer than normal and fattening them up to massive sizes, hoping that holding their hogs from the market will rally prices that they can cash in in the larger weight on. So far, however, the additional weight has only added another downward force. One hog trader in the Shanxi province told Bloomberg that while he typically purchases hogs at around 275 pounds, most of the swine he's been able to acquire are upwards of 450 pounds. Back in January, when prices were at their highest, farmers had started packing on the pounds to their hogs to take advantage of the rally. Now, as prices have dropped nearly 40% amid slower demand and increased imports, many farmers are being forced to sell off their oversized pigs, only adding to the trend. In a release this week, the country's largest hog breeder said they expect the slide to continue through this year and into the next, potentially not reaching its bottom until 2023. While some experts in the country were optimistic a recovery could be seen by the third quarter of this year, every new batch of supersized hogs hitting the market appears to be delaying that turnaround. So doesn't sound like it's too good of a plan there for those swine breeders out in China. Just another really hit. It's kind of like uh, kicking a dead horse, I feel like. But I mean, China's hog herd doesn't seem to be doing too well right now, of course, with African swine fever. And now this uh, supersized trend of hogs. I just uh, cannot even imagine what these pigs look like upwards of 450 pounds. I don't think I'd really want to be in the pens or taking care of these hogs. That sounds a bit scary, to be honest. To end things off for our news segment today, I'm taking things back here domestically, talking about a chicken farm that is potentially going to delay new processing plants. Earlier today, Sanderson Farm CEO Joe Sanderson spoke during a forum and said its newest processing plant may be delayed. In part, that could depend on the cost of soy and corn. Sanderson said he is also weary of the high cost of building materials, which makes this a bad time for building. Of course, we have been watching the lumber markets, and honestly, I don't think it is a good time to be building right now. He makes a good point there, but Sanderson was quoted as saying, another thing I think we're going to look very hard at is the cost of building a plant right now with concrete and steel prices where they are and with lumber prices where they are right now. My opinion is, and we'll get some data on this, but right now just is not a good time to build a plant. Everybody in the world is building right now. However, Sanderson explains the company is in dire need of a new plant. He said Sanderson Farms has been unable to take on new customers and orders because the company has been selling out of the chicken it processes. So even though we are seeing this 
large demand for for chicken right now. It doesn't seem like too good of a news for Sanderson Farms because they are selling out of the chicken that it's processing. They're kind of in between a rock and a hard place when it comes to building a new plant because they are in that dire need, but everything is super expensive right now. So things aren't looking too hot over for them. But like I said, uh, that is my last piece of news for today. So I'm going to go ahead and get into the markets. Starting out here in, in grains, there's a lot of red on the screen here. But in corn, the July contract down 37 cents to close at 620 and a quarter. The December down 24 and a half to close at 515 and three quarters. In soybeans, the July contract down 11 cents to close at 15, 11 and three quarters. The November down 15 cents to close at 1347 and a quarter. Over in the wheat markets, July down five and three quarters to close at 656 and a half. The December down four and three quarters to close at 666. In the cotton markets, the July down 11 cents to close at 8271. In the October down eight cents to close at 8367. Heading over to the livestock markets here in live cattle, the June down a quarter of a cent to close at 116.7 and a quarter. The October contract up two and a half cents to close at 124.5 and a half. In feeder cattle, green across the screen here, looking at the May contract, up three and a half cents to close at 136, six and a quarter. The August up two dollars and five and a half cents to close at 156, six and three quarters. And the September up again here, two dollars and five and a quarter to close at 157, nine and a quarter. In lean hogs, again here, some green in the screen as we're looking at lean hogs. The June contract up a dollar and nine cents to close at 115, two and a half. The July up two dollars one and a quarter cents to close at 117.5. The August contract up two dollars and one cent to close at 113, six and a half. Rounding out the markets with the class three dairy milk futures. Green again here in the May contract up a cent to close at 1896. The June up 13 cents to close at 1768. And the July up five cents to close at 1821. And with that, I'm going to kick it over to my conversation with Robert Syke to talk about AgVisor Pro. Well, on today's Tech Tuesday episode, we are talking to Robert Syke, who is with AgVisor Pro. He is the founder and CEO there, and he's also an agronomist. So, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on and talk to us today. Oh, it's great. Thanks for having me. Well, Robert, before we get started here talking about AgVisor Pro, I want to know a little bit more about your background. And you just got a pretty great award. And I'll, I'll let you kind of announce that here in a moment. But just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, just a background in plant physiology, soil chemistry, crop nutrition. Grew up as uh, on a farm, a mixed farming operation. Tended to really gravitate towards the uh, green side of things. I uh, still have cattle. And um, I, uh, I really uh, started to play in the area of ag tech with the purchase of an IBM computer back in 1983. And since then, I've you know, founded about 16 companies um, in the agricultural space, everything 
from farming to ag retail and fertilizer distribution, but probably most notably was the uh, the building of the AgriTrend uh, group of companies uh, that included um, agronomy consulting and uh, and grain marketing, and probably most notably the carbon credit company that we founded in in uh, 2007 that's traded about 50 million dollars worth of carbon credits, and then AgriData Solution and the AgriTrend Group and uh, AgriData Solution and the carbon credit company was I sold that to Trimble. So Trimble Ag Software today, Trimble Ag Software has at its roots uh, AgriData, and that was uh, all us back in the day. And and uh, just founded AgVisor Pro and written a couple books at TEDx talks, and just recently been um, um, you know privileged to be recognized as one of Canada's uh, 50 top um, agricultural leaders. So that was uh, that was a beautiful recognition. It was a you know a nationwide call out, and so. Um, I'm real proud of that and, and uh, love to be working in agriculture and bringing ag tech into, um, into the uh, farming and the agricultural sector. Well, Robert, I didn't realize that you were such an outstanding leader there in the world of agriculture and ag tech. So I'm so glad that we're able to have you on because it sounds like you're causing a lot of waves there. And, you know, you've been working in this industry for quite some time. So really before we mm-hmm. get started here, I just want to ask, you know, what are some of the the trends that you've been able to see since you started working in this field back in the eighties? Well, a lot has shifted. I think that uh, we've gone from agriculture where uh, we did what we wanted to do on the farm, and we did it because it was noble and it was, uh, you know, it was the right thing to do. And we we moved forward. And we accelerated with the adoption of technology to today, where people are looking over the fence and they're questioning the things that are going on inside uh, in, on the farm, and and uh, really they don't understand farming very very well. And the other side of the equation is the world is moving so fast that. You know, I think when you, uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, technology, technology integration on the farm uh, is happening at a breakneck speed, but it's hard for the the sector to keep up with all the changes. And on top of all of that, there's this uh, conversation around sustainability. And inside of that umbrella, you know, you could throw the words regenerative and agroecology and organic and carbon and cover crops and natural farming and all of that, you know, is one big blanket, I think, that we should be really framing in the conversation rather than labels. We should be talking about outcomes. And so when I look globally uh, at the um, ability of agriculture to feed 9, 10 billion people, I believe we can do it. But there are some pinch points as I look around the planet. And the pinch point really is the right advice from the right expert at the right time. So I think we'll see a proliferation of sensor devices and IoT and broadband connectivity, and we'll see recognition software and artificial intelligence that will answer the question that I think is going to be the realm of the human being for a long time. So uh, that's kind of what I see. I see in my mind an acceleration of adoption of technology. I served as CEO of uh, Dot, the robotics company that was acquired by Raven. So I see the rise of you know, robots as well. Uh, but I, I don't see the diminishing uh, the, the diminishing influence of the human being anytime soon. So kind of that's what I'm seeing is how do we 
take the advantages that technology gives us and still connect it to the wisdom of deep domain expertise. Well, Robert, you bring up some really fantastic points there, and I wish we had enough time to really dive into that and dive into really everything that you've been doing. But really, the reason we had you on today was to talk about AgVisor Pro. So from a 10,000-foot view, tell us about those solutions and products and what you guys are doing there. Yeah, MagVisor Pro is an application that we built. Uh, it's mobile-centric on iOS and Android, and your listeners can download it today for free. And AgVisor Pro is a connectivity platform and connectivity channel for agriculture. What I mean by that is Ag, AgVisor Pro really connects seekers, those seeking advice, to experts that can provide answers now. So those seekers could be farmers, but they just as easily could be ag retailer. Uh, they just as easily could be independent advisors, and we create the cross-connectivity. So if you go to AgVisor Pro today, it's really a combination of four platforms, Ashton. It's a combination of many. So think the algorithmic matching of a seeker to an advisor. Then we do instantaneous connectivity. So there's no phone calls, no Zoom, no FaceTime. Uh, the connection is seeker and the expert inside of AgVisor Pro. And then there's the Uberization of it. So we want to make sure that there's the advice is trustworthy. So we have a rating system inside of AgVisor Pro to build the level of trust. And also, if there's a transaction between a seeker and an independent expert, that independent expert can get paid. The seeker, the person using AgVisor Pro, can also connect to all sorts of companies for free. And we've got a bunch of companies we're working with, including BASF Zarvio's field scouting app. Uh, we've got lots of uh, independent companies on there that farmers can connect to for free. Ag Growth International, the grain handling company, and Onset, which is a sensor company out of the United States, is on there. So we're expanding with that. And then the last piece is the, the Twitterization. So you really have eHarmony together with FaceTime, Uber, and Twitter, all in an agricultural channel. So AgVisor Pro is agriculture's channel. We're building a channel for conversations for agriculture, about agriculture. That's, that's what we built. Well, Robert, when I think about farmers getting help or, you know, maybe seeking out some of those opportunities, maybe some folks aren't as willing to seek help or, you know, something of that sort. So what are some benefits to using AgVisor Pro that you might say to these folks to maybe win them over? Well, I, I think, you know, the conversation around cover crops, for example, um, the conversation around cover crops in Montana is different than the conversation around cover crops in Kentucky and, and, and Mississippi. So as we think about sustainability and we think about introducing cover crops, how does a farmer get the right expertise from the experts that are actually working in that area and, and give that farmer a higher level of confidence that, that they're going to do the right thing? Another example uh, would be uh, you know, insects in a crop. Let's say you have insects in a crop and you've never seen this insect or you're concerned about the threshold, with AgVisor Pro, you can connect to an entomologist instantaneously. You can show the entomologist what you're seeing in the field. You can take a high-resolution picture and share it so the entomologist can see the number of stripes on the back. And that entomologist can give you advice as to whether or not you should pull the trigger on a twenty dollars or $30,000 insecticide decision. 
kind of things that really appeal. Uh, veterinarians, we have veterinarians in AgVice Pro. We have mechanics and software people as well. So anytime a farmer has a problem and you know wants to get an answer now, or a retailer, retail agronomist, same thing, has a, wants the support of a company or an independent advisor, they can connect on AgVisor Pro and make that instantaneous connection and get the answer they're looking for. And the sessions are archived, so the user can go back and, uh, you know, Rob talks really fast. What did he say again? And those sessions are archived so you can go back and, and learn what was, uh, what was said in the session and share it with your other farm team members. So that's, that's kind of uh, a real good way to extend your, your knowledge very quickly, Ashton, and also give you confidence in the decisions that you're making on the farm or inside your agribusiness. Well, it sounds like AgAdvisor Pro is really all-encompassing there. I mean, you make the point that you have vets on there, you know, people who are out in the field, et cetera. But when it comes to using this app, is it available globally or just strictly in Canada? No, we're uh, we're, we're definitely available all throughout North America. So we're uh, we're uh, we're expanding uh, very quickly into the United States, and uh, we're also working internationally. I think we have 13 countries interested in AgVisor Pro right now. Uh, we're just working through GDPR compliance, so we can go into the EU and the UK. In fact, this morning that's where I started off my day. I started off by talking to some people in the UK, and so this kind of a platform is really exciting because. You know, also, uh, not only can we, uh, you know, help people in specific domains like cropping or, or greenhouses, but we can also bring to bear advice globally. So, you know, if you're in San Francisco and you're raising grass-fed beef, maybe the best advisor for you is actually in New Zealand where they're raising grass-fed beef uh, in a Mediterranean climate that would ma- match your microclimate. So these are the things that are going through my head, and I, I think the uh, opportunity for us to advance, um, you know, to advance the farming um, uh, viability uh, by making better decisions, and and ultimately, you know, we're all interested in sustainability, making sure that the decisions we're we're making will keep agriculture infinitely sustainable. I think that AgVisor Pro plays a role in this, and and developing a channel for agriculture. Um, I, I think this is uh, this is a time, and COVID has created the backdrop for this kind of uh, conversation. And we know we can do this today, and we're leveraging the technology to make it happen. Well, Robert, this has certainly been a very interesting conversation. I think you bring up some fantastic points on what we're seeing in agriculture, what we have seen, and what is to come in the future. And I'm excited to see what's in the future here for AgVisor Pro. And if any of our listeners want to follow along with that journey and learn a little bit more about AgVisor Pro, where can they get that information? Yeah, the simplest, of course, is to go to your app store. So download it on Google, uh, Google uh, Play or the iOS store, and uh, just search for A-G-V-I-S-O-R-P-R-O, AgVisor Pro, um, on the app store. And download it. It's free. And you can immediately start playing with it. Uh, the other side of it is you can go to our website, which is agvisorpro.com. And uh, you can search me. My name is Robert, and the last name is S-A-I-K. I've got a website and you can you can find me all over the place. But uh, 
But agvisorpro.com, that'll give you a good overview. Awesome. Well, again, Robert, thank you so much for coming on today and congratulations for all that you've accomplished. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ashton. Again, a big thank you there to Robert for coming on and chatting with us today. It never fails to amaze me how many amazing, talented, knowledgeable people there are in the ag industry. And I'm pretty excited to go and look at all of the companies that Robert is a part of. There certainly is a never-ending amount, it seems like, there. But if you folks want to listen to any of our past or future Tech Tuesday episodes, we have some good stuff in store for you. So you'll have to go to agnewsdaily.com to view those or listen, I should say. But with that, I am going to let the people go.